welcome to the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, Google, and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, and Peter. Episode 7, recorded on January 23rd, 2019. The Cloud Pod, now 99.9% available. Unless Jonathan messes up the audio upload. Ah, uh, yes. I have a suspicion as to what happened with that thing. It takes... <laughs> I, I, I blame the 2 to 3 a.m. <laughs> editing. I'm sorry to realize that Jonathan maybe does a lot of work at that time of day, but not the highest quality work at that time of so, day. <laughs> so the reason my file was totally finished and the uploaded file was not is because Audacity was still exporting the MP3 and I must have got impatient, thought it had finished and it hadn't. And so I started the upload before it had finished writing the file, which is which is kind of interesting. I, but the, the little window disappeared or maybe maybe hadn't finished writing it to disk or something. I don't know, but whatever. What is everyone drinking this evening? We have to pause. I need to get a drink. I forgot. No drinks. I even forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not partaking today because I uh, I decided to get oh. sick yesterday and adding alcohol to the mix today just sounds awful. So, <laughs> well, we have a uh, action packed day of announcements to walk through. So let's uh, let's get started here. Let's uh, first start out with Google, who announced uh, Nvidia's Tesla T4 GPUs are now available in beta for all of your machine right? learning and AI needs. Exclusively available to them, yes. Which is interesting that they um, have this type of partnership with. Is it in Nvidia's best interest right now with their stock hurting to have an exclusive partnership with uh, Google? I think Google are the only people who can afford it. Those things are expensive. Uh, that's very true. But if Amazon can't afford it, I have I have other concerns. Is the T4 really going to be that much of a game changer for machine learning people? I think it will for people doing vision processing. That the, the uh, target audience for these T4s is is um, real time image processing. One T4 GPU can transcode what was it, like around thirty HD streams at a time. It's absolutely stunning performance. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I see here that you can provision uh, different instance sizes, but up to a maximum of uh, four T4 GPUs with 96 vCPUs and 624 gigs of host memory uh, and an optional three terabytes of in-server local SSD. That is a monster of a server right there. As low as 29 cents an hour per GPU. Wow. It's not cheap either. <laughs> That's on uh, 29 <laughs> cents is on a preemptible, by the way, which if, if you remember from last week is spot instances for them. But the normal cost is uh, 95 cents per hour. Not a cheap server in any any way. No, I'm guessing they don't have a lot of these things. The way they the way they said we've distributed these GPUs across the globe in eight regions, it's kind of like they've got a handful and they've just got a couple in each place. But um, I guess it is a still limited availability. Yeah, I'm definitely assuming they're going to start uh, you know getting more of these in their data centers over the next few months as they come off the line in Nvidia and try to help their stock out. So that's great. Uh, definitely, definitely interesting. Amazon had a big announcement this week uh, around backup and supporting uh, several services. On launch day with the backup service, they now support as a backup source, storage gateway, DynamoDB, Elastic File System, uh, EBS, all available to you in a simple UI interface or API to backup to both Glacier storage and to S3 storage. So pretty interesting. Uh, I actually enabled this today for my personal account. I went in and removed the uh, pretty shady looking Lambda code that I wrote a couple <laughs> of years ago to do snapshots and clean up snapshots and moved over to this. And uh, I am a much happier customer now that I have something totally not managed by me. I think for the DynamoDB backups, this is great because backing up DynamoDB was really clunky before. Everyone's used Lambdas to back up EBS volumes, and this will simplify that. I was very disappointed that it doesn't support cross-region out of the box. I mean, 
who doesn't want DR for their backups? And now we're backing this up in the same region. It's that seems like a bit of a miss, but I should be used to it. Yeah. <laughs> I assume it'll be a feature they announce in, in six months from now, and we'll have a lightning round. Like it's about time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but this yeah. just getting getting some sort of um, real productized offering up, saying yes, it's important. We want to be able to back up without hacking together our own scripts and and uh, you know scraping tags and pruning based on tags. I mean, I've seen so many things go wrong, unintended consequences with those that I think this is huge. And it's kind of kind of one of those things where Amazon's this whole time has been sort of, you know, you don't really need to back up because all of our services are so highly available. But uh, we make mistakes too. We accidentally delete data and overwrite data all the time. It definitely makes proving your compliance with, with SOC um, easier. If you can just say, hey, look, we have this service enabled for everything versus, hey, look at all my Lambda functions and look at this uh, data service I have to spin up every 24 hours to back up DynamoDB and that kind of thing. But, yeah, and then who's uh, monitoring to make sure it's still running and that it yeah. succeeded, et cetera. Oh, yeah. My other thoughts about this was that although they're storing the data in S3, it's not exposed to us as clients. You know, We don't tell them which bucket to use. We can't get access to these raw objects. So it's nothing that we can use to migrate away from AWS if we wanted to. You know, we can't copy machine images out or, or any kind of uh, RDS backups out of Amazon using this tool, native only. One of the features I was kind of wishing for was the ability to back up to a different account, um, which is a kind of common use case that you see sometimes. Um, that'd be a nice one. And then if it was integrated in S3, it would solve your cross-region problem because you just turn on you know, cross-region replication of the bucket. But um, it definitely has some limitations there. I was impressed at the flexibility they gave you on being able to choose uh, resources you wanted to back up. So you could either do it by a tag, and then that tag, you know, basically whatever tag equals true, that could then be in the backup set. Or you could actually do it based on a specific resource ID if you want to do that. So it gave you a couple of different options there. Um, I There are a couple of things I'd like to see as well where I don't necessarily want to have to specify several different backup job types based on my, my backup frequencies. I like to be able to set up just this backup watcher and then based on a tag, be able to backup you know, every 15 minutes or every hour, every two hour. Um, but you know, for a day one launch service for Amazon and the number of services they're covering that are really the ones I care about backing up, it's a pretty good list. Uh, RDS is a little bit missing right now, but hopefully that'll come soon. And uh, I'm definitely glad to see this becoming a service. And I'm really excited about a lot of these services like Security Hub and and now this service where they're they're taking a lot of primitives and they're just rolling them up into a single application that makes it easy to just deal with. It's super nice. Speaking of AWS, when I think of cloud, I think of Foghorn Consulting. Foghorn has been around since 2008. They've been on the forefront of cloud enablement and have delivered powerful transformations for hundreds of clients from startups to Fortune 500, including highly regulated industries. They were early visionaries and practitioners of using code to automate infrastructure and operations to drive up cloud efficiencies while driving down costs. Terraform, Ansible, Jenkins, AWS, Asia, and GCP. Go to fogops.io slash thecloudpod to learn more about their FogOps services and sign up for a free, well-architected framework review. Well, let's uh, let's move on to uh, Oracle World Europe, where they did a couple of announcements and uh, had some things to say. Uh, Oracle uh, launched their new Toronto region to compete with Amazon, and they also announced plans for a new India region in Mumbai. You know, definitely Oracle's trying to make inroads. They're trying to copy Amazon and Asia, who they see as their big competitors. Um, 
you know, it's good to see them building out more data centers, but I still don't know who uses. It. Yeah, I mean, we we haven't seen anybody asking for it, and so I'm I'm in. The, I have the same question. I think Oracle have a lot of prosocious people in India, and so putting the data center there is probably makes sense for them. Well, it's interesting because they they mentioned in the announcement for India that they also not only are they going to do IIS services there, they're also going to offer. Um, the Oracle SaaS applications like Oracle Financials and Oracle HRM uh, products. So that was interesting to me because while there are several large companies in India um, that are based there and have business there, I don't know how big that market is for them. <laughs> well, I guess with more and more outsourced workers, having having local access to SaaS applications is, is great because we all know how, t- how terrible the latency is between India and the US and hosting applications here for your outsourced team to use is, is fairly painful. Yeah, that's very true, but, and definitely you know you do if you're a big mega corporation that has India operations, maybe you want to use the same technology stack um, across the globe, and you have to have that, those books separated. Maybe that makes sense. So good. All right. Well, the other thing Oracle uh, came out with last week that we thought we should talk about is Oracle executive came out and basically said open source vendors locking down licenses proves that they were never really open, which is Oracle's way of saying, see, see, we're not so bad. <laughs> They're just as bad as we are. Hey, didn't they just change the, the JVM license or the JDK license even so that people couldn't use it in production without without paying extra? Yeah, I would say they're still worse. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. Just just because everyone else is evil doesn't mean you're not. Well, and, and I don't know that I necessarily consider what Mongo and Elastic and these guys have done is to be the same level of evil. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're just saying, look, we don't want we don't want the hyperscalers to take our technology and and be competing with us and not giving us a piece of you know that action or committing back code to us and you know or Oracle's taking JVM and saying, hey, remember this thing that was been free forever? Now you have to pay me lots of money for it. That's that's a whole different animal in my opinion. Yeah, so I guess it's different when when they've acquired these things and then changed the game on people. Uh, like like my sequel. Yeah, and not to mention, how about all of their actual applications and database source code? I mean, we're not we're not even allowed to see it. Forget about the licensing. Um, licensing is separate, right, from whether or not you're allowed to see and modify the the source code. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a, the uh, the pot calling kettle black kind of thing. But the, the accusation at the end that Amazon never contributed a line of code back to these projects is is way off in left field. There's a whole list of uh, open source projects that Amazon have contributed back to, like uh, Lucene, Redis. In fact, I think Amazon wrote the encryption in transit piece of Redis and contributed that back to the community. There's, there's absolute boatload of stuff. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's, as for as many examples as people can show where Amazon didn't commit back, there's another 100 examples where they did commit a lot of really great code. And I mean, a lot of the stuff they're doing around security and containers is, is all open source. Well, moving on to another Amazon announcement, they announced another event. Uh, and so I pity all the marketing people at Amazon <laughs> who are in charge of these events, because now on June 5th and 6th, they are launching an event called Remars, uh, which is an AI event for machine learning. Apparently, this is a follow-up to an event that they did last year that was invite only. Uh, I was not invited, so I don't know anything about it. But uh, they are going to be opening this up to the public. Uh, in the beginning of June, and then, of course, on June 25th, 26th, I believe, is the reinforce uh, event in Boston. So those marketing people are going to be running across the country <laughs> for these events that they're doing. This is good because I think this is going to break up the reinvent uh, huge crowd into lots of smaller conferences. And they've already started this with the Boston Security Conference, and now they're moving AI to, to the Remars show. It's going to be... Uh... Uh, it's going to be good, I think, uh, as an outcome for reInvent. But it, are they? But does this mean they're actually not going to have security sessions 
at reInvent and they're not going to have AI sessions at reInvent? Or is this just additive? They want reInvent to be a sales conference for new customers or newer customers. And, you know, we talked about at the reInvent recap show that, you know, it's starting to become a conference that doesn't really apply to the three of us because we've been doing Amazon for so long. Um, And so if they can give us a much more technically deep mini conference that covers the specific topic I care about, and I can do that for a fraction of the price and I get more value out of it, then that's a win for the customer. It's a win for Amazon. So I think this is maybe part of that strategy is, look, we'll give you these very specialized, highly technical conferences that you can go to if you're interested in the topic. And if you're just really getting started or you're just more interested in the general news, you go to reInvent. Yeah, I definitely like it. And we're going to be heading to reinforce for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely plan to go to reinforce. So Apparently astronauts can attend for free. I <laughs> <laughs> well, wonder what the reason for that is. We just want the credibility of saying an astronaut's at our conference. I assume it plays into the whole uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the big things about the Mars conference. It was a lot of talk about space and traveling to space and and some of the Blue Origin stuff. Um, but you can sign up for more information on the website for it. It's in Vegas again, I assume. Uh, this one is in Vegas, yes. Uh, it's at the Aria, I believe, I read. Uh, that's a nice facility, and but it's not the biggest. So I, I assume it's going to be capped at a certain amount of people. All right, and our uh, final new news, Amazon Trusted Advisor announces nine new best practices, which include a DynamoDB read and write capacity check to make sure that your usage is more than 80% of the provisioned throughput limit, uh, Route 53 hosted zones, health checks, reusable delegation, traffic policies, and traffic policy instances. And this is all about making sure that those things that cost you extra money in Route 53 are being used properly <laughs> and utilized. And then an ENA driver version for EC2 Windows instances uh, validation check and an NVMe driver version for EC2 Windows version check as well, which these are uh, proprietary drivers that are needed for both the ENA and the NVMe. And so if you're not using the latest version, you might be running into an issue knowing that your uh, Windows boxes have the latest drivers is a pretty nice benefit. And you know how Amazon is so good at um, driving their product uh, development off of customer requests. All I can think about is the poor guy who got burned by each one of these before it was in Trusted Advisor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, these are nine good checks, but I wish Trusted Advisor was doing a lot more than it is. And I also feel like the barrier that it's it's you know something you only get with support contracts is really a bummer because there's a lot of really great data in here and and really beneficial things but you don't get access to unless you're on a support contract uh, beyond the basic stuff so um, it's good to see these I'd like to see more checks coming out and uh, I could probably give them a list of maybe ten things that I would like to see <laughs> and just you know being able to get actually all the resource limits in one dashboard would be super helpful because there's still not all of those uh, being covered by trusted advisor. I don't really understand why some of these things aren't just, you know, why Amazon don't push people to, to deploy these kind of checks as um, AdWatch health checks, that kind of thing, especially the recapacity and write capacity, stuff like that. It's, it seems like being aware of these, that, that these things exist at the time of making your deployments would, would be a better outcome for everybody instead of hiding it away in this tr- horrible trusted device dashboard. I mean, that the whole service is just horrendous to use the way it collapses and unfolds different sections. You can't find anything that you're trying to find. It does have an API but it's not great. I don't know. Is there a UI that you like in the console? Because there's probably like six or seven different trial UI ideas they have now in the console. And I have yet to find one that I thought was like, this is a really great idea. And I wish you would do these for all of them. <laughs> yeah, they, they had this sort of classic UI for years. And then they started rolling out changes. I think like VPC was one of the first ones to get um, a, a new 
a new uh, kind of sheen to it. But yeah, every every team I thought they were going to converge into a into a similar um, theme, but no, no, they don't. And I think the, the latest round of changes they've made to the console uh, really suck for people with small screens, small laptops, because you can only fit a, a few lines on your screen, and the rest is all taken up by menus and things like this. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not a great user of the console anyway. But uh, I mean, Trust Advisor is not something that you can browse through an API. You need to glance through it and look for things that are in red or it needs to be a better uh, user experience, I think. Yeah, I definitely think you have a better user experience as well as ability to you know, send off alerts as they changed dynamically to a Lambda function so then I can fire off Jira tickets would be beneficial. There's, there's all kinds of different things they could be doing to make that service uh, more robust and more interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on the UI stuff. I, I always like the classic console, but you know, I've seen some of the things like the S3 console, and I'm like, please don't do this to the rest of Amazon because I, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some things from TrustAdvisor which I, th- I think it's still missing for sure. Um, you know, sometimes we get abuse alerts for uh, emails going to addresses that don't exist or the suspected, uh, you know, DOS attacks from instances that are doing things. And none of that is actually visible in TrustAdvisor. And it would seem that that would be the go-to place for that kind of state's information, but that's all kind of out of band, done through emails to, to the abuse team and everything else. So I think they, they, it's a good idea. I think it needs some work. I think all of the services where you'll find a little bit of a weakness in the model, right? Amazon's highly distributed development model start to show with um, services that have to interact heavily with other services like console, right? You got you to gotta put that in front of every single service. Which means either one team working with every single every single other team to give you a consistent UI, or every team sort of doing their own things and um, trying to follow a, um, a style guide. Uh, trusted advisors across all services, billing is across all services, and it seems like those are the ones that pay the price for the rapid uh, or the strengths that Amazon has as far as rapid development with the highly distributed development teams. If CloudTrail, I mean, CloudTrail should be across all services as well, and there are some notable gaps in that. I think uh, once they've built the, the the pipeline that takes the data into CloudTrail, they could easily use a similar pipeline to handle event-driven stuff like this. Well, moving right along to our fearless leader of the lightning round, Peter. Awesome. Here we go. All right. I'm going to do my best to keep score in my brain, but when that fails, I'm probably going to declare a winner randomly. So we'll see how this goes. I, I, Listening back to last week, and I heard your, you know, you gave the lightning round to yourself, which yeah. put us at a three-way tie. But, you know, listening to the lightning round, first of all, you know, you called me Jonathan. <laughs> and then, and then, like, I actually didn't hear anything that I thought was, like, really relevant enough to give you the award. So I'm questioning the, 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 the voting system for this. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a little I'm bit. Thinking of bring, just putting it out there. I'm bringing in um, the WBO to be the scorers. Because they've always been, uh, boxing has been notorious, obviously. Well, as long as we're not getting, you know, ice skating judges from the Olympics. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's start this off. Um, all right. We have uh, Amazon announced a host of service level agreements um, covering Kinesis Data Streams, Kinesis Data Firehose, uh, EKS, ECR, Secrets Manager, and Amazon MQ. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's been a there's been a large number of uh, 
SLAs being announced by products. And, you know, the only thing I could think of that would require you to have all of these SLAs, all these products would potentially be a very large government contract that requires it. Oh, boy. (laughs) The snore had it. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, like considering if you looked at the rate of service of GAs that occurred uh, prior to this month, I would say it was like, to a year <laughs> and we've had we've had like eight already this year so it definitely makes me think that there's more to this story than just uh yay we finally got to the point we want to have an sla like no no we have a reason <laughs> we have a it's a 10 billion dollar reason a, it's in the requirements it's in the rfi <laughs> yeah most most of them customer driven they are definitely money driven <laughs> all right uh next aws code pipeline now supports deployment to s3 this is a classic. I had no idea yeah. this wasn't supported. I like this. This is going to solve some problems. All right. Alexa for business now offers IT admin simplified workflows to set up multiple devices. So I have three at home that it took me a good 45 minutes to set up properly. So I couldn't imagine being a hotel owner and trying to set up, you know, 600 rooms worth of these. So I'm sure an IT person is very happy somewhere about this announcement. Yeah, now we expect to see Alexas in every hotel room in in, uh, in Vegas in the next couple of years. Alexa, set up my Alexas. Um, all right, we have multiple CloudTrail integrations announced. Uh, Comprehend is now integrated as well as AWS Cloud9. So what what exactly is being audited in CloudTrail for Cloud9? Like... Are we? Do I really need you to tell audit, you know, CloudTrail that Justin wrote really bad code and then committed it to a repo that went to a Lambda function that failed? Like, I mean, I have enough embarrassment on my own without having this in CloudTrail logs for someone in the Sim team to audit. Maybe the HR team is auditing it. <laughs> I hope not, because my commits have a lot of swear words. <laughs> again, again, CloudTrail announcements. You know, why is this not an MVP feature? Like. When these products come out, they don't have CloudTrail integration. You're just like, well, why not? Like, this seems pretty obvious that this should be there. Yeah, they must be tracking these things on a on an API call by by call basis, simply for things like rate limiting. So you you know the logic is there. They're just choosing not to. Well, Cloud Nine was an acquisition, right? Yeah, it was. It was Comprehended acquisition though? I don't think so. <laughs> what about S3 logs in 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 uh, CloudTrail? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> No, they have a separate log type because you want to log those separately, Jonathan. What about root 53 logs in CloudTrail? Hey, somebody delete all my records. Let's check CloudTrail. Oh, nope. Nope, not there. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, again, MVP feature. We'd like to have this for every service that comes out. Can we get that, please, Amazon? All right, next. Recognition video now supports object bounding boxes and more accurate object and scene detection. This is, I guess this replaces the Eastern European team. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the ring team. Yeah. I guess they don't need them anymore. Uh, I mean, wasn't the, the, the level of object detection on recognition was pretty high before, but uh, you know, now we can bound the box around the object detection. Next, AWS Migration Hub now imports on-premise data sources like CMDB, IT Asset Management, and AWS Migration Partner Discovery Tool. So you can see all of the lack of progress you're making in your Amazon migration daily against the asset log. Great. Well, you know, if they, if they can't charge you for the resources you're not migrating yet, they can charge you for migration hub. <laughs> I could just picture it. I can't believe that box is still running. That's going to be what everybody says when they look at that thing. 
But Jeff left three years ago. What's he been doing Jeff, since then? Jeff's, <laughs> Jeff's test. Yeah. <laughs> someone, yeah exactly. someone told me all those Windows 2003 boxes were killed. What do you mean they're still there? All right. Azure monitor logs in Grafana now in public preview. Azure, the only people who can get really excited about a plugin to send data to Grafana. I think it's because it's it, they announced it as a collaboration. You know, we didn't just steal Grafana and, and give it away for free. It's a collaboration. This is totally a PR move. Ooh. Also, I mean, they're just doing so much. It's almost like they're going out of their way to be um, involved with other open source projects. Amazon Redshift now auto-analyzes your data in the background to improve query performance. So you didn't say it right, because in the announcement, they have analyze in all capitals. So it's analyze automatically. <laughs> Louder. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't um oh it was the uh, the time series data analysis tool the forecasting tool that amazon announced around reinvent time i wonder if they're using that to do this kind of work in the background i guess it's all um it's all just optimizing their own costs really so it's, it's what's good for them is good for us in the end i mean it's nice that because this would be what i could see happening with an executive like they go run some report out of you know the redshift database and they're like the data is not right and you're like oh crap the anal the analyze Lambda function I was running every night failed for some reason. I mean, it, it definitely seems like something I want my database to do automatically for me. So I'm glad this is there, but uh, maybe this is the reason why the company that originally made Redshift went out of business. Right. This wasn't a feature day one. Last for the day, Amazon EKS achieves ISO and PCI compliance. So you, someone, I think it was Peter, pointed out earlier that EKS is already HIPAA compliant. Um, so I'm a little confused how it wasn't ISO compliant before it became HIPAA compliant, um, but great, I guess. <laughs> PCI, that's just weird. I, I don't know. It's like if all the fully primitive services are already PCI compliant, then what what is there about EKS that meant it wasn't? It PCI doesn't matter. Compliant? All that matters is we can now run our ATMs on EKS. Excellent. Run all your credit card transactions yes. through EKS. Peter, what do you what do you think? Who's the winner on this one? Did you did you your analytics work out for you? All right. I did. I have analytics. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me do an ETL quick. Let me do a, um, yeah, I think, uh, although I think Justin had the most interesting comments, I'm a big one on firsts. And so I have to give it <laughs> to our podcast's first recorded hey. snore. Congratulations. You're John. <laughs> Excellent. That's great. Two to one to one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. I mean, it's easy to keep this track of this right now. At something to shoot for. Something to shoot for. We're gonna have Justin. to probably start tracking this in the notes because I'm gonna forget at some point. I mean, now I'm now in the lead. I feel like we should have some kind of prize on a weekly yep. basis, or you know, a trophy that we pass around. Or that, didn't we? Didn't we already establish that it's some type of liquor from Peter? I think it should be. Prize? Yeah. You know, I did try and buy. I did try and buy a Templeton Rye. Um, the pizza's okay. recommendation when I was in Reno over the weekend, and they looked at me like I was crazy, like, we don't have stuff like that here. Well, you were in Reno. Yeah. For you, the listeners of the Cloud Pod podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook downloaded with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash the cloud pod. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash the cloud pod for your free audiobook. Let's move on to Cool Tools by Jonathan. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> like it's fine. I, I have to edit it. Quit, quit, quit your bitching. No, it's fine. It. And I left in a bunch of a bunch of, of mistakes last week, which were which turned out to be pretty funny in the end. Made made the whole conversation sound a lot more interesting. Okay, this week's cool tools in no particular order. Uh, first off, from AWS Labs, we have the AWS Lambda Container Image Converter, which will take your local Docker images, uh, break them into separate layers, and upload those layers independently to Lambda so that you can easily move your container-based uh, workflows into event-driven uh, stack. So, Peter, going back to your prediction last year, this is containers moving back to serverless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and last week we talked about the uh, contain, you know, Lambda functions going to containers. So, you know, it's it's anyone's race at this point between, you know, is it containers or is it Lambda that's going to win this out? Um, I mean, this is a pretty cool little idea to be able to take containers, images, and basically do a conversion. It makes sense that you could do this because, you know, if you look at the code for Lambda layers, it's very straightforward. You know, very similar to Docker syntax, it might even be Docker syntax. Um, the only thing you can't do is you can't do removes, um, and you know, so you can't remove the Amazon uh, Lambda runtime components they want. So it makes sense that this would be a pretty simple tool to basically be able to do this conversion, which is pretty awesome. So this also came from Amazon Labs, so you know it's not something going to be kind of abandoned. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about this one. Yeah, it only right now it only copies um, the opt directory from from each layer uh, which is where i think where you should be keeping your own code anyway but it looks exciting and um the the bootstrap you need to to make uh, a, your container based app running lambda is tiny <laughs> yeah no I'm, exci- I'm really excited for this because i, th- I think i think so this is the way to go and i don't think fargate um although they lowered the costs i don't think um i don't think fargate is going to be uh something that many people use when they have very 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 fast uh, lambda to 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 learn instead right yeah, merging, right? All these services kind of merge to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, what's what's the difference between an event-driven thing that spins up and runs when you need it and not an event-driven thing which sits there waiting, but you can spin it up so fast, it may as well not have been there before you needed it anyway. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely a convergence of tools. It may even get so fast that, that Fargate doesn't even have to perpetuate anything in memory. All right. You have any other cool tools this week? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Nope. We're all just staring, we're all just staring at it. We're all clicking on it. Nope. No, I want to read some more about this and do a better job of it next week. One is more than enough. And that is the week in cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Foghorn Consulting and Audible.com. Subscribe today on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and tweet us your feedback at hashtag the cloud pod.